0: You're listening to Mental Work. I'm your host, Bronwyn, an early career psychologist based in Australia. And this is the podcast taking a closer look at the challenges faced by early career mental health professionals so they don't have to go it alone. Hello, faithful listeners, and welcome back to Mental Work. I'm Bronwyn, your host and early career psychologist. And today, we'll be talking about a forbidden topic. No, it's not sex. It's not religion. It's not vaccinations. It's not politics. It's money. Yes, it's a topic that we all shy away from and nobody talks about and nobody wants to think about. Today, we are looking at it because I'm interested in why we don't talk about it, but I'm also interested in our attitudes towards money as mental health professionals. And I'll start off with this. It's a study that I found, which was conducted in 2015. And what happened in the study is they got a whole bunch of professionals, different professions. They gave them a survey about their financial health. So financial health is your subjective feelings about how well you're doing financially. And it's also your objective financial standing. One of the professionals in that survey were, of course, mental health professionals They found that when compared to financial advisors, mental health professionals are more likely to try to avoid thinking about money, avoid looking at their financial statements and to try to forget their financial situation. They say that their study provides further evidence that mental health professionals are at financial risk. Specifically, when compared to other professions, the results showed that mental health professionals were significantly less likely to report good global financial health, including paying off their credit cards each month, having money set aside for emergencies, having a budget, having adequate insurance, feeling comfortable with their financial status, being confident with their financial knowledge, and having adequate investment strategies to reach their financial goals. Pretty much, mental health professionals are really povo in the area of financial knowledge, And this is really bad because money allows us to buy goods and services, to live our lives, to be able to buy stuff from other people, to be able to give stuff to other people. We've got this huge area that we're avoiding as mental health professionals. And I'm interested where that comes from. And the angle I'd like to take from this episode is looking at the angle of how our attitude plays a role in why we are so financially avoidant. When we are training, We don't really talk about finances, but it's not uncommon to be told or to be implicitly told that money is unimportant or that we shouldn't get into this profession with the idea of making money. If we wanted to be in this profession to make money, then we'd be better off being a lawyer or a doctor. We're also kind of laden with this attitude that having interest in money, like asking them how much you are going to be paid or showing interest in higher earning jobs within the mental health profession is somehow greedy, selfish, or impure. And if you don't realize these attitudes in yourself, they're things that I've learned totally. They're things that I totally bought into and I was like, I shouldn't talk about money. But now I have a completely opposite attitude to that. And I'm going to take you through how I started out with that attitude of thinking that money was selfish and impure and they should just help as many people as possible and be this renegade activist who does everything without a care or concern from my own financial situation to somebody who's quite realistic now. And I'm like, yeah, I got to earn the monies um, in order to make a living. I hope you find it helpful in kind of maybe bringing some unconscious attitudes that you have about finances out into the open for you and really re-examining because I think more and more of us in this profession are kind of coming to the attitude that that I currently hold towards money, which is a very pragmatic and practical one. And I think that's a good thing. But I think that there's also uh, people in the profession who are still shaming each other for caring about money. So I hope this just helps you to reconsider and take a look. If anything, I hope it's just interesting hearing how my attitudes have changed. First, I want to take you back to a time when I was about, well, it would have been about 17, 18. And that's when I was consuming mental health services. So I was a patient, I was seeking therapy. And my first psychologist, I remember the gap that she charged was $70 a session. For me, I was studying full time and I was very dedicated to my studies. And I was working one day a week at Muffin Break which for anybody who's not in the know, Muffin Break is a food store (laughs) that sells muffins and it it doesn't pay uh, uh, ludicrous amounts of money. So I was working there one day a week. It helped me pay board. It helped me buy a few other bits and pieces, but it wasn't working a lot. So for me, $70 a session was a lot of money for me. And eventually I stopped seeing my psychologist purely for the money reasons. Which really sucked. So then I was left alone and I'm good at providing my own support, but it still really sucked. I would have preferred actually to see a psychologist. So fast forward a few years and I'm delivering mental health talks to schools and I'm a volunteer for a large mental health organisation doing that. I was really loving my volunteer role and I did think about becoming a psychologist in the future. This was kind of my first thoughts about it. And I remember saying to my fellow volunteers, I was like, I'm not going to be like those psychologists who charge a lot of money. I'm going to be an affordable psychologist. I said this with such conviction. I was so sure that I was going to be an affordable psychologist and that the psychologists who are charging a lot of money, they are totally being greedy. Why can't we have affordable mental health? This sucks. I carried that attitude with me. I was like, I'm going to be this affordable psychologist. So that when I actually got registered, what I was telling people just before I opened my private practice was, oh, I'm going to be a bulk billing psychologist. Send me all your bulk bills. And thank goodness nobody listened to me when I said that. Because then what happened is I looked at my costs and expenses. And when I had those numbers laid out in front of me, it was very depressing. If I had taken into account just bulk billing clients. So that means Medicare covering the cost of the session and paying me $88 per hour per client. I would have been in the lowest tax bracket. So earning about $25,000 annually. I would actually have very little pay for myself. Everything would have gone to expenses. And it was literally only at this time that I thought to reevaluate my attitude towards money. Prior to that, I wasn't even telling people that I was going to bulk bill actually by that point because of this renegade activist. It was, I would say that's probably like maybe 55% of the reason why I wanted to bulk bill. But the 45% was actually fear of money and fear that I was being greedy and that I wanted to value my services. And I thought that that was bad. So I guess wrapping up this experience for you, it would be that these kind of unconscious attitudes we have towards money, and even our conscious ones in my case, really did me a disservice in the end because I was willing to undervalue my services so much that I wouldn't have had any money to support myself. Why do we need money? Like I said at the start. To support ourselves, but also invest in the future of our business. So when people say to us, we didn't get in this, in this business for money, we got in it to help people. We cannot help people if we are not looking after ourselves financially. And also to grow our businesses, to help more people, we actually need extra money to reinvest in that business. This has been really highlighted to me recently. I've been looking for a commercial lease so I can actually expand my psychology practice so that I can see more people and so that I can help more people. Guess what you have to put in a commercial lease? You have to put your finances down. And imagine if I was going for a commercial lease, that would say like $28,000 a year. And I put down on the lease, I'm earning $25,000 a year that's not going to look that great. I'm not going to get the lease. So what I need to do is actually earn more money so that I can put it down on the lease so that I can get that lease so that then I can help more people and expand my business that way. So I guess what I'm trying to say to you is reconsider your attitudes towards money and what we've learned from people who have gone before us. I tend to think of attitudes like this sometimes. Sometimes I think when I hear things from other people, I think who is this story conveniencing? Who is this story benefiting? So if somebody is telling me, you didn't get into this profession for money, I'm like, who is that story benefiting? One way to look at it is that it's benefiting the person saying that because by saying that, they shut down the conversation and they stop me talking about money. So for example, employers might do that and be like, nope, you need to service the community. You need to extend yourself. You need to work 12 hour days. Am I going to pay you 20,000 a year? But you should be grateful because you're just helping people. The effect of that story is that it shuts down your conversation and makes you feel bad for speaking up for a reasonable pay and a fair pay. Remember as well, We are rarely individuals. We're usually supporting other people. If you're a parent, you're supporting a child. But even if you're just supporting yourself, you're also supporting your future. So remember, you have superior narration as well, and that you want to make sure that you can support yourself into the future. Another takeaway that I'd like you to have a think about is really show yourself the numbers this might be a bit scary for you. It was scary for me. And to be honest, I didn't even set up the initial spreadsheet with the costs and expenses. It was my partner. So really, I just looked at their spreadsheet and they had to do it for me. And I was kind of half covering my eyes like, but once I looked at the numbers, I was really interested and it was really good to see it all there. So I would encourage you just do a simple spreadsheet of your costs and expenses. And if it's well below the average pay for A similar mental health professional job on a job searching website like SEEK, then you need to go back to the drawing board and consider what it is that you are looking at. Do you need to find a job that actually can meet your your needs? Um, And you might have to find a different one. Do you need to increase your own prices if you are somebody in private practice? Do you need to negotiate um, your contracting arrangement if you are not earning enough money? Money is important, it helps us all, and it is crucial for our financial health. The statistic is that for one in three of us, our biggest stress is our financials. So if we are taking care of ourselves as mental health professionals, then we can better help other people. It's kind of that you can't pour for an empty jug sort of thing. I hope this has been helpful for you to hear of my experiences. And yes, I feel really bad kind of being that person who was thinking that everybody else is being totally greedy for needing money. At the same time, I also recognise that, of course, we do need more affordable mental health services. Absolutely. However, we can only help the people in front of us. And to do that, we need sustainable finances. If we were part of a national organisation that got millions of funding from the government and were able to help everybody who came through the door, that would be amazing. And if that's part of your value system, then... It's fantastic to work for those organisations. I worked for an organisation that gave free therapy to anybody who walked in the door and that was funded by the WA state government. It was only when I wanted to expand and get out and help different sorts of people that this came into the equation. But even at that workplace, I must say, I was still trying to negotiate. So that brings me to my next point, which is that when I was thinking about money and how to present on the podcast, it's amazing how many different topics there are. So this is probably the first of many episodes that I will cover about money. I'm going to be talking about in the future, the internal battle of asking clients for money when you're working in private practice, how to think about working for free. So talking about in- internships, pro bono work, volunteering, and the pros and cons of that. Also talking about the cost of training in order to get registered. So talking about our supervision costs, our professional development costs, and how that privileges people who have money, but also how to get through that if you don't have a lot of money, which was also me. So I hope that this has been helpful for you. If you are sticking your head in the sand about your finances, maybe rip off the band-aid. Have a look do the spreadsheet, write it down on a notepad, write down your expenses and what your desired income is and have a look at it. Reconsider what you want to do next. Don't be the financially avoidant mental health professional in the study that doesn't have money to pay off their credit card and doesn't set money aside for emergencies. Ah, okay. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, I would love to hear from you. You can email me at mentalworkpodcast at gmail.com. And until next time, thanks and see you later. Thanks for listening to Mental Work, the podcast for early career mental health professionals. If you're loving the show and don't want to miss an episode, press subscribe on your podcast listening app. And if you enjoyed this episode or any of our previous ones, leave us a rating and review on iTunes and Spotify. What topics would you enjoy hearing us talk about on the show? We'd love to hear from you. Email us your suggestions at mentalworkpodcast at gmail.com. Have a good one and see you next time.